Hey, this is Brent Ingersoll from King's Church. Thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. I pray that this message you're about to hear empowers you, encourages you, challenges you, and equips you to live the life that Jesus has for you. Thanks for tuning in. I live in Brown's Flat, and that's about a 40-minute drive from here in the Valley campus. But don't let the name Brown's Flat fool you. There's not much flat to Brown's Flat. There is about a kilometer stretch of road as you go through the heart of the community that's flat. But all around that flat are hills. Now, I live down on the river, and I have to travel up to the flat. And I have to walk up this hill that's pictured before you. And I don't like walking up hills. The strange thing about this particular hill is that it's gotten steeper in recent years. And I'm, I'm not sure how that could be. My best guess would be it's the way that they've paved the thing, that it is steeper than it used to be. But recently, I've had an increasing problem with this hill. So in a recent visit to my family doctor, I mentioned it. He listened and then referred me to a heart specialist. Well, I went to see the heart specialist, been about six weeks now, and he put me on a treadmill, and then he cranked the thing up. That's okay. I try to walk at least 45 minutes a day, and so, but he only had me on there a minute or so when he took the treadmill and he did this to it, and now all of a sudden, I'm walking up a hill, and in a couple of minutes, I was out of breath, and then he quickly laid me down. And he, he used what looked like a laptop mouse and put it right in there next to my heart. And the both of us watched my heart beating on the screen. He watched that for a minute or two and then he said these words to me. You have a hard heart. He said your heart should operate like this and it sort of operates like this. So, I'm being treated for a hard heart. Can I ask you a question this morning? Do you have a hard heart or a soft heart? I'd like for you to consider that question for these next few moments together. Now, you all know that I'm not talking to you about the pump in your chest. So, as we all consider the question, is my heart hard or is it soft? Come with me to Matthew chapter 3. That's familiar ground for us all because we've been there in Matthew 3 with Pastor Brent for two weeks, so here we are in week 3. Matthew chapter 3, let me read it to you with an occasional stop with a brief comment. So chapter 3 begins with these words, in those days. Well, that'd be a good place to stop and say, what days are those? Well, it's been 30 years since the close of chapter 2. Chapter 2 of Matthew is the Christmas story. So when when uh, Matthew begins his third chapter within those days, he's telling us that it's been a length of time, about 30 years. So, continuing, in those days, John the Baptist, that would be the cousin of Jesus. You remember hearing about him as part of the Christmas story? His mother was Elizabeth, Mary's cousin. Okay, I'll try to read it now. In those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. His message was, repent of your sins and turn to God 
for the kingdom of heaven is near. The prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said, He is a voice in the wilderness, shouting in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord's, that would be Jesus coming, clear the road for him. John's clothes were woven from coarse camel hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. Just to pause, this is interesting. This probably explains why some of the locals mistook John the Baptist for Isaiah coming back. Because 700 years before, Isaiah dressed the same. And that's recorded back in the book of 2 Kings, chapter 1, verse 8. Wore the same clothes. Going on, for food he ate locusts and wild honey. Now that would be the original, a spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down. If you're going to eat locusts, the wild honey would really help them go down. I find when I eat the locusts, the, the little tiny wings get caught in my teeth. Just kidding. <laughs> But if you're, if you're interested in a high-protein diet, then uh, locust and wild honey might be the thing for you. Verse 5, people from Jerusalem and all of Judea and all over Jordan, the Jordan Valley went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. Let's just pause there a brief minute. The people went out to see and hear Obviously, they had an open mind to truth, and it says they confessed their sins. They were humble and repentant, and John baptized them. They had an obedient spirit. And now we have a definition of a soft heart. Here it is, an open mind, a humble, repentant, obedient spirit. That's what a soft heart is. Does that, does that describe you? Now let's go on. We come to verse 7, and it begins with the but. B-U-T, when you see one of those, you know something is going to change now. But when he saw, that's John, when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to watch him baptized, he denounced them, you brood of snakes. He exclaimed, who warned you to flee God's coming wrath? Prove by the way that you live that you have repented of your sins and turn to God. Don't just say to each other, we're safe or we're descendants of Abraham. That means nothing. For I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Even now the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, speaking of Jesus, so much greater that I'm not worthy to even be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork then he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his barn, but burning the chaff with never-ending fire. What a contrast between the response of the crowds and the response of these religious Pharisees and Sadducees. The Pharisees and Sadducees, it says, Matthew's comment is that they, they came to watch him baptize and obviously do nothing else but watch. And John knew it. I wonder how he knew. 
probably it was their body language, you think, as they stood there in the crowd, arms folded. Even as I said that, all of you with your arms folded, I'll put your arms right out. Arms folded, uh, facial expressions, smirks and scowls and no doubt some sneers. Probably they were mumbling and probably John could hear some expressions of disgust. Who does this guy think he is? And he calls them snakes. Anyone ever calls you a snake? You've not been complimented. Their minds were closed. Their attitude was, and John points it out, we, you say we don't need to confess our sins because we're Abraham's children. That doesn't mean anything. So these Pharisees and Sadducees were arrogant and proud, and they had a rebellious spirit. And now we have a definition of what a hard heart is. Here it is. A closed mind, an arrogant and proud, rebellious spirit. That's a hard heart. Is your heart hard? This morning? Well, most of us hear this story and we identify, we want to identify at least, with the soft hearted, open minded people who came to see and to hear and to respond. None of us want to identify with those hard hearted, closed mind Pharisees and Sadducees who came to watch, criticize, and reject. But is your heart really soft? Is, is your mind this morning really open to respond to what the Father may say to you through this very message? As you think on that, is your heart hard? Is it soft? Come with me now, and I want you to consider these four things. Number one, here's the first thing. Hard heart, soft heart. Number one, sometimes it's quite obvious. Sometimes it's obvious. As in this scripture we just read, we just noticed a sharp contrast between the softest of the soft hearts, the crowd, and the hardest of the hard hearts, the Pharisees and Sadducees. Now, we could have used other words to describe the great contrast in these hearts. The people's hearts were warm and tender and compliant. That's another way of saying soft. And these religious leaders who ought to have had the softest of the soft hearts, their hearts were cold and inflexible and proud, hard. Sometimes it's quite obvious whether one's heart is hard or soft. Back in the first book of the Bible, that would be Genesis, six chapters in, the New Living Translation titles that, the early part of chapter six, with these words, a world gone wrong. And chapter 6, verse 5 reads, it's on the screen for you, the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth. And he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. Now that is hard. Verse 6, so the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on earth, it broke his heart, his soft heart. It broke the Father's soft heart that the hearts of all the humans, completely and totally hard as stone. I'm glad the story doesn't end there, but as we continue in Genesis 6, we read, but, now there's going to be a contrast, but Noah found favor with the Lord. Noah was a righteous man, 
the, and the only blameless person living on earth at the time, and he walked in close fellowship with God. Hear me this morning. No one walks in close fellowship with God who does not have a soft heart. But again, what a contrast between the hard hearts of the wicked and the soft heart of Noah. Sometimes it's quite obvious whose heart is hard and whose is soft. I'll never forget Walter, no matter how long I live. He was old when I met him. He was feeble and he was near the end. And his neighbor that asked me to go see him told me that. That's why I went. And so I went. The man, uh, the man was certainly not a believer. He was a hard man. And when I got, I found a hard man and a hard heart. When I moved the subject over to spiritual matters, as was often my habit, I would often use this question. It's a good question. If you were to die today, and he knew he was dying, and I did, if, if you were to die today, do you know for sure that you would go to heaven? And he jeered, he, 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 he scoffed and said something like this. When I die, I'm going into the ground and that will be the end of it. And you know what? Walter never softened. My last visit with him was in the hospital and he was, well, maybe I found him not as belligerent. He was a little subdued when I went there, but he was still of, he was of the same opinion still. Fixed, unmoved, hard. And sometimes it is. Sometimes it's quite obvious whether one has a hard heart or a soft heart. But here's my second observation. There are four. Sometimes it's not so obvious. Not so obvious whether our heart's hard or soft. When I read Matthew 3 verses 1 to 12 and then spent hours just soaking in the verse to see what's there, I found my... I found myself wondering this. Was it unanimous? I mean, did everyone in the crowd that came to hear John the Baptist preach, did everyone in the crowd confess their sins and get baptized? How many were there in the crowd? Well, we don't know. Hundreds, maybe even thousands. Was every heart soft? Did some just, some in the crowd just there to kind of go along? Family wanted them to go, so they went along and they went with the crowd and go through the motions. And then it made me think, well, what about the Pharisees and Sadducees? Among them, surely, there were a, a, a few open, hungry, soft hearts, you think? Well, it's Matthew who records the, the event for us in this book. And he simply records what he sees. He says, people went out to see and hear. And when they confessed their sins, he doesn't say they all did. Okay. And when he speaks of the Pharisees and Sadducees, he said they came to watch, but all of them, not so sure. I think we get some insight from the Old Testament book of Samuel, speaking about sometimes it's not so obvious, hearts are hard and soft. And he says, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And the truth is sometimes we don't know whether someone's heart is hard or soft. God alone looks at the heart. A few chapters later in, in uh, Matthew's account, chapter 13 now, Jesus is speaking those to some who came to hear him. And here's what he says about them. It's on the screen in front of you. For the hearts of these people are hardened. 
and their ears cannot hear, and they have closed their eyes, and their eyes cannot see, and their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. And then he goes on to tell several parables, stories, and one is about a farmer who planted some seed, and when the wheat came up and began to grow, there were weeds among the wheat. And so the workers go to the the master and say, should we pull up the weeds? And the answer comes back, no, you'll uproot the wheat if you do. Let both grow together until the harvest, and then I will tell the harvesters to send out the weeds, to send to sort out the weeds and burn them. He seems to be saying that if you try to separate the weeds and the wheat here and now, the trouble is you may have trouble telling them apart. And so sometimes it's not so obvious who has a hard heart and who has a soft heart. I've lived a lot of years. Come July, I will be 40 years in pastoral ministry. And, that was, and that's a second career for me. So I've lived a lot of years. And many times over those years, not that I've been a judge, but I have mistaken weeds for wheat. And as I stand in front of you here today, I'm thinking of one particular prominent Christian leader who, who, had a, who, who, who for decades lived a habitual, consistent, sinful lifestyle that was only revealed at the end of his life. And all through those years, he maintaining a national and an international prominent respected ministry. Now all of us at any time can fall and sin and be in need of repentance, but this went way beyond that. A lifetime, weeds among wheat. Sometimes, sometimes the quality of our heart, it's not so obvious. Here's my third observation I have for sometimes hard hearts become soft hearts. Matthew doesn't name specific Pharisees or Sadducees. He just makes this sweeping statement when he, John, saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to watch. Doesn't name them. But I wonder, I wonder if maybe the Pharisee by the name of Nicodemus might not have been in the crowd. Remember that name? Matthew doesn't mention him in his gospel, but John John, the writer John in his gospel, talks about a Pharisee with a soft heart who came to see Jesus saying, we know his heart's soft because listen to what he said, we all knew, we all know that God has sent you to teach us because your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. So this Pharisee, Nicodemus, had a, had a soft heart but I'm suggesting to you, wasn't always soft. Maybe he was in the Matthew 3 crowd. And maybe he heard about Jesus. And maybe he heard John the Baptist preach. Maybe he saw Jesus go down into the water to be baptized later on in Matthew 3. Maybe he saw Jesus come up out of the water and heard the Father speak and say, this is my beloved son, I'm pleased with him. And his heart was touched. And his heart was softened. You think? Sometimes hard hearts 
become soft hearts. And Paul the Apostle, was there ever a harder heart than Paul, uh, Paul the Apostle, formerly Saul, the hardest of hard hearts? Matthew, uh, Acts chapter 9, verse 1, describes him, says he was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. That's the guy that became the first missionary to the non-Jewish world. That's you and I. Soft hearts. Sometimes hard hearts become soft. And how about the thief on the cross next to Jesus? After a lifetime of crime, I mean, if ever then there was a hardened, what we call a hardened criminal, this would be it. And yet, with perhaps minutes to go, he said, Lord, remember me when you enter your kingdom. His hard heart became soft. Sometimes it happens. Paula came to church on a Sunday morning and lingered a little while afterwards. And when I came down off the platform, she spoke to me and said, could we talk soon about spiritual matters? Well, two days later, I dropped in her home. Her husband, Mike, was home, but he wanted no part of meeting me. He wouldn't even come into the room where I was. His heart was hard. It was about a year later that I resigned that church and left the province of Nova Scotia. And, and then another year or so passed, and I was invited back to that church that I had served for so long on a special occasion to be the speaker for that morning. And uh, while I was waiting for my cue to come up on the stage, a layman came onto the platform to make an appeal for folk to donate funds to buy a church van so that we could pick up, so they could pick up kids, adults, and, and uh, teens who had no transportation to church. Well, guess who it was? on the platform making that appeal. Yes, it was. It was Mike. Sometimes hard hearts become soft. And here's my fourth point. It really is the main point that I want to share with you this morning. Here it is. Be careful. Sometimes soft hearts become hard hearts. Disciple uh, Matthew chapter 4 uh, he records Jesus choosing his first disciples. So just one chapter ahead of where we are today. And one of the disciples he chose, his name was Judas. In some ways, the most, maybe most famous of all the 12, Judas Iscariot. You know that name. He followed Jesus for three years. He heard, he heard Jesus teach. He watched him do the, the wonderful miracles and then in the last week of Jesus' life, he betrayed him. And often we would think of Judas then as a hard-hearted villain. But surely, don't you think? Surely in the early days, don't you think his heart was soft? Whatever happened to Judas? He was the disciple's treasure. Was it the, was it the love of money that hardened his heart? He wouldn't have been the first. And did he think that, that Jesus would overthrow the Romans and, and Jesus would set up a government and Jesus himself would be the prime minister and maybe he would get a portfolio, he could be a government minister and maybe he 
Position and wealth and fame became his obsession. He wouldn't be the first there either. Here's the question. Is it true? Is it true that even those closest to Jesus are at risk of developing a hard heart? Well, apparently so. In Mark's Gospel, chapter 8, Jesus had just fed 4,000 from a mare of seven loaves and a few fish. And a, and a day later, Jesus and the 12 were crossing the lake in a boat. And the disciples all of a sudden realized they hadn't brought enough food. And they began to blame each other for not bringing food. The scriptures before you. Jesus knew what they were saying. So he said, why are you arguing about having no bread? Don't you know or understand even yet? Are your hearts too hard? He's speaking to the 12 that had been with him for three years almost. Are your hearts too hard to take it in? Obviously, obviously anyone is prone to developing a hard heart at any time if we're not careful. I take you to Hebrews chapter 3. It's before you. I read it to you. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. So that's written to that's written to believers, right? Brothers and sisters, make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other every day while it is still day. In other words, while you have time, still have time, so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God, just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. Remember what it says. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. Sometimes, sometimes, tragically, soft hearts become hard hearts. Let me just mention as we come down to a close, let me mention Three subtle ways that our hearts become, can become hardened if we're not careful. They're on the screen, all three. Here's the first. Sometimes we substitute rationalization for repentance. And that simply means that when, when the truth gets too close to us, the natural inclination, natural inclination, is to defend ourselves. Like, well, no. No, I didn't claim that income on my tax return. But when I think of the money that the government wastes, I think we're all entitled to keep every cent we can. Or sometimes we deflect the truth when it gets close. Oh, I'm glad Carl was here to hear that this morning. That would be a good sermon for him. And we deflect it from ourselves. Listen to me. When we rationalize instead of repent, our heart hardens. Number two, we substitute mental assent for obedience. That's when we respond, thank you, Pastor. Great truth. Great truth this morning. And we agree that it's true, but it never gets applied. And our heart hardens. And perhaps the most dangerous and the most common of the three before you is this one. We substitute an emotional experience for a volitional decision. Ever do that? You're watching the World Vision special on TV and you tear all up. But it's been a long time since World Vision has gotten a donation from us. 
Or, oh, pastor, you, you really touched my heart this morning. Thank you very much. And we think of going up to the, the prayer corner, but we rationalize, well, if I go up there, that means I'm going to be way back in the line for brunch. And the Blue Jays are on it too. And our heart hardens. Hebrews 3 says it, be careful. And so I say to you, be careful to your brothers and sisters. Be careful. Warn each other every day. And this day, I'm warning you. Today, when you hear his voice. Today, this day, May the 1st. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. You know, you might find this hard to believe. The day I was to see the heart specialist, he was in and out of the room and I thought he was coming back one more time and he didn't. And I never did ask him the obvious question that's been on my mind ever since. Doctor, can you make a hard heart soft? Well, I've been researching it a little bit since and the answer appears to be no and that's why the doctor is working with me to get my blood pressure down and my exercise up and my weight down but hear me this morning did you know that the father specializes in making hard hearts soft did you know it look at the verse before you let me read it to you Ezekiel 36, written to the children of Israel, but it's also written to all of us here today, all of you listening, watching. And I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you, and I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. Isn't that what you want? King David, one of my favorite psalms is Psalm 51, written by King David after he grievously sinned and his heart was hard. He had had an affair with a lady in the neighborhood. Then David found out that her husband was in his army, so he had him sent to the front line so he'd be killed, and he was. And then he could have this woman, Beersheba, as his wife. And he repented with these words. And by the way, after this, it was said of David, he has a heart after God's own heart. And here's the prayer. Here's the, here's the psalm, but here's the prayer. I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to invite you to pray it with me, will you? Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence. And don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. I say, make my heart soft. Will you pray it with me? Together, let's pray it. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. And God's people said...